Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of the Chronicles of Mister. I am Mister Pierre, and we are joined once again by the fabulous Nikki Lisano, uh, principal. And a couple of uh, listeners have lauded how much they appreciated the first conversation that we had. Nikki, so I'm really excited and thankful and grateful that we're going to have this second conversation, which I'm sure will will not be the last. Um, and in thinking about or to continue the conversation because we always have conversations before we hit the record button but thinking about you being a teacher stepping away from education coming back and then becoming a principal um, one of the things we were just talking about is how that first year of teaching I was told that I'm pretty sure based off of what you were what you just said I'm like just survive you as a principal now is that sort of is that the same sort of advice that you give first year teachers now? Yes and no. <laughs> I'm gonna be super honest. I think that there's a humanity with which I manage now that I definitely didn't manage my first couple of years as a principal. I think now I'm better able to distinguish what is actually essential in a teacher being successful and what 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 can we allow them to grow into right so it's reasonable to think okay on day one you're gonna have perfect lesson plans and strong management skills and be able to navigate parent relationships and enter your grades on time and be where you need to be and follow the school schedule like that that's a lot of stuff to ask a first year teacher to do and i think i've developed the capacity to decide okay I talked to my admin team a lot about, I'm sorry, I'm like organizing, organizing my thoughts. Yep. I talked to my admin team a lot about glass balls versus plastic balls. Okay. So you're juggling. Everything can't be a glass ball. Everything when you drop it cannot result in utter chaos and destruction to other people. And everything is in a, everything is in a plastic ball in the sense that if you drop it, it'll bounce back up or you'll be able to pick it up later. So the art of coaching other adults is helping them figure out what is your glass ball, what is your plastic ball. And those things could change every day, week by week, during different times in the year, what may be a glass ball may not, you know, may turn out into be a plastic ball later on. Um, and so as the admin team, really trying to hone in and figure out, okay, when we ask for deliverables, for example, right, it can't be seven deliverables because people are going to do none of it. So like, what is the one or two glass balls where you're like, if folks do not do this glass ball, it's going to have these negative ripples that are actual negative ripples, right? Because sometimes in the pursuit of perfection, what we're perceiving as, as negative ripples is kind of like a blimp in the day of a school, for example, right? So like, right, right. you can't, you can't respond to every drop ball with the, with the, um, the urgency that it's a glass ball, right? So like, I'll take, for example, this week, grades are closing, report cards need to be printed on Monday. So in my head, that means the glass ball for this past closing week is entering your grades and report cards because we have parent conferences coming, the ops team needs to be able to print the report card. So it is actual a thing where if you don't get your grades in, it impacts somebody else's workflow and it impacts our relationship with parents because if parents show up on Thursday and we don't have report cards, that's gonna look really bad, right? Right, right. At the same time, let's say this past week, somebody, um, somebody like misread their schedule and they they missed the they missed the bathroom duty. All 
right, so that the bathroom existed. The kids used it. It was a hallway duty. Like the follow up is good. We might follow up, but it's not going to be with the same urgency of like, hey, I really need your report card comments. Because right. that week, understanding everybody is pressed, everybody is stretched thin, and so like they misread, especially if it's like a once in a like they they misread their schedule. You know, they're already feeling some type of way. They'll send you the email like, hey, I'm so sorry. I was I know I was supposed to be on the second floor, and time got away from me. I was grading. All right, how we manage that as adults, as the admin team, that will show our teachers what we're valuing at this point in the year. It's, it's showing us where we can show them grace and where we can't show them grace, right? So like, if I, I might have a teacher that's like, hey, I, I stayed up really late doing my report cards. Usually I turn in Monday through Friday lesson plans. I only have Monday through Tuesday. And I'm like, all right, let's cool. Let's meet on Tuesday and see where you're at. And, and and honestly, it's two more days before vacation. So really, am I really about to stress you out over the two days before April break? Right? Like, you're not you're not gonna teach anything deep and conceptual on the two days before April break. When I first became a principal, my first coaching was like, everything is urgent. Don't let anything slip. Don't let anything slide. And I would say my first year, I'd be like, no, you must have all your lesson plans complete with classwork, annotated notes, teacher key before you left on Friday. And I would have teachers staying up till like, you know, 2 a.m. trying to get all these deliverables done. That's causing harm. That's that's unneeded harm, right? Like the school is still going to run. It will Wednesday and Thursday's lesson plans be the highest impact lesson plans of the year? No, but do, do they need to be? And the answer is no, it's okay. We're running, you know, the marathon, not the sprint. Like the kids will learn eventually. Like it's okay. We want them to learn, but we also like don't want to burn out our teachers in the in the in the pursuit of our kids learning. In listening to you, in hearing what you're saying, I heard a couple of things of like value the teacher as well. Because I, I know the myself and the other teacher are like look we're here for the kids we're here yourself as well admin ops we're all here for the kids however we gotta feel like is there anyone here for us is there anyone yes. who, who's also like looking out for us and it's not just only during you know teacher appreciation week but yeah what are you doing in august what are you doing in july what are you doing before the whole school year starts so that it sets teachers up to know like hey we see you Willie. we know that as a teacher with 10 plus years, you're not gonna need this, 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 and this, but you are gonna need this. So let's make sure that we have that for you. And if I am a first year teacher, what are the things that are in place so that, yeah, everything doesn't, as your analogy put it, doesn't feel like a glass ball. Cause as a first year teacher, I remember like, everything was, was super important. Like I had, like you were just mentioned, had to grade everything that night, had to turn it around and get it back to the kids within 24 hours, had to respond to things like within 30 minutes. And it's like, if everything's a priority, then nothing's a priority because priority just means number one. What is that one thing that's super important that needs to get done first? And then what's next? And then next and next and next. But if, like you said, if there's seven priorities, then none of those things really are priorities. And I know in the past you, you've stated this too, of like as a leader, it's super important to make that implicit, explicit so that folks just know because it's so easy when it's not explicit for our own minds to sort of create it from the I think I'm just having a, having a moment of just like, <laughs> as leaders, we want to make sure that we're allowing the other adults grace and giving them the permission to like, 
know like if you make a mistake it's not the end of the world however if this if you know that this thing is super important focus on this one thing then they'll know hey let me focus on this one thing as opposed to the seven things that seem to be on my plate let me just take care of this one how do you um is that something that you exclusively say to your admin team so that they know that as well yeah sometimes i think like i said with time you get better at managing teams and managing people um and so like the way the way i try to get my admin teams to understand is kind of like um Sports are not my forte, but we're going to go with a, a sports analogy. And I always know that there's a chance I might get it wrong, but <laughs> it's this. like you have a football, you know, you have a football team, right? And your quarterback is the person not saying they're the most important person on the, on the field, but they're a pretty important person on the field. Right. And the standing that the team has is we're protecting this quarterback at all costs. We're protecting him, we're putting him in the pocket. We're making sure he doesn't get touched by the other team. In my head, what I tell my admin team and what I, we say out loud is like, our teachers are the individual quarterbacks of their classrooms. Mm-hmm. We have the sole job of protecting them and making sure they can operate at their highest potential when they are in front of children. And what that means is as the admin team, we got to take all of the unnecessary hits for our teachers. Sometimes those hits are coming from above us. So our network team might be asking us to do things and as an admin team, we have to decide, okay, what's the hit we're taking to buffer it so that our teachers can continue to do great work? Uh, sometimes those hits come from parents, right? Like sometimes you have a parent that's kind of like coming out a little bit out of pocket. As an admin team, we got to be like, oh, 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 this is our quarterback and we need this person to show up to work tomorrow in good mental health. And so let, let's, you and I talk. <laughs> let's, let's protect this teacher, right? Sometimes it's the kids. Sometimes you're just like, okay, we got to reset this culture. We got to reestablish respect norms let's let's make sure we have a cohesive community and like let's support you in making sure you can focus on the teaching um and sometimes it's the deliverables and tasks that we're asking right so like throughout the year there's these reports there's requests and and at the end of the day we as an admin team we decide what we think is important and what we're asking of people and so we have to be super crystal clear what does it mean to ask our teachers to do a deliverable and and are there is there anyone else in the world that could do the delivery? So like for example, first year, school setup and beautification high on the list. I had managers who'd walk through my building, every little paint line, bulletin board was like a thing that they would note and like, you know, day one readiness was a thing. The last two years, because of COVID, my building has had had to have construction on the HVAC system before we reopened for COVID. I definitely had to have a moment where I had to let that go. I am a person who loves aesthetics. Yeah. Look good. I love when things look and feel welcoming, bright colors. You know, I painted my apartment. Like, you know, my, my staff knows I think it looks are looks are important. I'm not shallow, but how it looks is important. And to have a school that was less than quote unquote day one ready drove me up the wall, right? We have bulletin boards that aren't put up, right? But at the end of the day, as an admin team, we have to have a conversation of like, what does it truly mean to be day one ready? It means to be ready to welcome children into a space where there are adults who care about them, where they're gonna learn, and where they're gonna be able to express themselves and be themselves, right? That bulletin board on the second floor is not going to be the thing that that makes or breaks us being able to welcome kids on day one. Mm -hmm. 
And is it, it, it might actually be okay if we just get some college seniors who need some volunteer hours to pull up some bulletin boards that are very generic. That's okay, right? Like that's a deliverable that we're gonna take off our teacher's plate. You know, guess what? We know y'all would wanna invest time in setting up a classroom. What teacher, most teachers like the aesthetics part, setting them up, not everybody, but a lot of people do. And in reality, they just didn't have the time because of construction. So we had to be like, okay, we're gonna take that. We're gonna take the hit. We're gonna take off your, ta- off your plate and we're gonna get some other people to do it. And we're gonna be okay with less than perfect. It's okay if the bulletin boards are, don't have deep quotes on the first day of school. It's okay if after two weeks it isn't picture perfect with student work and pictures. That's okay. That, does it have a border? <laughs> is, it out of, is it not impeding traffic? If, it, if it's off the floor, onto the wall, we're going to be okay with that. We're going to be all right. Able to explicitly tell our teachers. Like, I literally have to say, like, hey, classroom setup is not on your plate right now we had construction we literally did not get into the building until like three days before school started y'all to have your lesson plans ready i need y'all to call kids and welcome them into a new school year they're gonna be scared some of them been in school for like a year and a half you to sleep i need you to eat a real good breakfast i need you to be ready tomorrow morning with some smiles under your mask I need you to do. We'll put up the posters eventually. We'll paint the walls that need to be painted, but it's okay. And a lot of staff were like, wow, in 20 plus years, you know, not having my my door decorated and not having that bulletin board perfect would have made me, like, I would have stayed here till, you know, 10, 10 p.m. doing that with, with my significant other coming to bring me dinner. And I'm like, that's not the life I want for you. I don't want that for you. Uh, so go home and take care of yourself at home and we'll take care of this other thing which is that's not going to make or break school that's dope that's dope um, yeah that's dope to hear wow that's dope to hear now you have you have the gift of teaching long enough pre-COVID that you remember those times of it. and I say this because <laughs> There are a couple new teachers at the campus that I'm teaching at right now, right now, who are in either their first or second, or maybe even their third year. Like 2020 was the first year that they were in the classroom, and that got disrupted. Yeah, disrupted. And so they don't really, they don't know what a quote-unquote normal. And I say that loosely with the air quotes for our listeners. Um, what a normal school year uh, would be like. How do you? Do you have teachers who are who are who fall in that category? Okay. Absolutely. I actually have I have I have three sectors of teachers, which is great. I have I have a group of teachers that ha- that are founding members of the campus. I I I lead the founding campus in our network. So there are teachers who have been here 15 years plus who were part of the founding team, right? So they, they're like, we remember way back. Like we taught the first, they have taught some of the staff, two of my admin are, um, are alums. Some of the teachers taught the ad to admins who are alums, right? That's they awesome. long enough to see students come back and work at the school, right? Awesome. I have a group of teachers who, uh, are in year five, right? So they like have a couple of years under their belt before COVID hit, and then now they like navigate COVID. So it's like that middle group. And then I have a handful of teachers who 
just started teaching the last three years, right? To your point, who've like never experienced normal, right? Yeah. Happens though is that creates a dichotomy on your staff, right? So there's sometimes there are these undue pressures and frustrations because everyone's expectations are not aligned and they're not stated. Going back to my make it, you know, making the implicit explicit, right? So if I'm a 20 year veteran, the idea of, for example, doors open at 7.45. Some of my 20 year veterans, they're here at seven o'clock. They, they're coffee, they're at the, cause it's been ingrained in them that to be a good employee means you're before time, okay? Yeah. Yeah. And some of my newer staff members, 7.44. <laughs> they come in. They come in with the kids. I, I, I am of that type too. I am the principal that walks in with the kids. Okay, and you know, so that's one example where I was noticing some frustrations for some from some of my veteran teachers and some of my novice teachers where they're feeling like I'm being perceived a certain way because there's this unsaid expectation that's never been explicitly set. Yeah, and so yeah. I to like go back and clarify. I'm like, hey, hey, hey. If your contract says doors open at 7.45, we're saying teachers hours start at 7.45. If you walk through the door and you're ready to rock and roll at 7.45, no one should make you feel any type of way. At the same time, if you're somebody who needs to get settled, make a cup of coffee, go to the bathroom, go pick up your coffees, if, if all that has to happen, then you might consider needing to come a little earlier than 7.45 because you're not ready to rock and roll, okay? Yeah. And so, but having to have, having to take those moments and understand the underpinning of the frustrations does take a little bit of like nuance to understand, okay, like if I've been here for 20 years, what was school back then and expectations back then, am I unnecessarily putting it and placing it on my class, on my colleagues? Um, and if I'm a newer colleague, you're like, I just graduated from college. I'm an effective teacher, but no one told me that. I needed to be at the door at seven o'clock, right? That's not fair. And, and like, honestly, newer folks are coming with um, more, I, I appreciate this newer generation of teachers because I feel like they have a better sense of boundaries. So like, for example, we got whatever, eight, eight days, okay? It used to be back in the day, you're not trying to take your eight days because you know that somebody, they, they might look at you a little left if you take one too many right like yep. I don't know how many family vacations I missed out on because no one outside of education wants to go on vacation during school vacation weeks right everybody goes on the cruises the off weeks right yeah. yep. Yep. so you know I I unintentionally just got used to being like oh I'm just really not really gonna take a personal day unless it's like absolute necessary like like COVID forcing like I have a cough I'm sick and I gotta stay home mm -hmm. my newer staff members are like if you said I have eight days I'm taking eight days to have a conversation as a staff because those frustrations the perceptions were influenced impacting how people were able to collaborate and just engage with each other if you if we have eight days and that's as in that what we're saying eight days then if your colleague takes eight days they're no less better or effective of a teacher than you are right, right. that is so we how do we unpack how do we unpack some of the judgment? How do we unpack some of this implicit expectation? You know, and, and it's amplified in a charter because we tend to not have substitutes. So like, comes out, that means somebody else, you know, for the first it. time this year, I have two building subs. And <laughs> Talk about it. 
non-renewed jobs, I'm like, oh, network, you're making the life hard next year because people are going to be in for a shock. Mm. Um, and so I think that even like, you know, like grading, like we, we've taken on grading for equity this year. I don't know if that's been an initiative that you, you or talk you've heard about, but grading for equity is this. Talk about it because I, I have an idea of what it is, but some of the listeners may not. What do you mean by that? So grading for equity, the, the author is like slipping my mind, but basically it's kind of like this like edge movement around really re-examining what our grades mean and how do we uh, how do we amplify equity in our school via the grades that we're giving kids. And so like one example for us is like redefining what it means to fail, redefining what it means to get a zero. Because matter is if a kid gets a zero on one assignment the work that they need they need to do to dig out of that field like that s it's not it's not reasonable right like the distance between an a and a b is 10 points yeah but the zero that that distance between a 60 or whatever your cutoff is at our school the cutoff is a 70 so you need a 70 to be passing and now you get a zero you you've basically been tanked there is there's no way out if you get anything less than a 30 on an assignment even, right? Like that's still 40 points shy of what you would need to be passing. If that assignment is weighted more heavily than other assignments, let's say it's an assessment, yep. it's virtually actually impossible, right? Yeah. There's a conversation, we have to have a conversation as a, as, a, as a teaching staff, like, are we being equitable? Are we serving our children? Are we, are we perpetuating a narrative that's untrue? Right? Like the concept of like, well, you got that, you got the zero. And it's like, well, what does that mean to a kid? Nice. It's you failed, right? Like that, what, what does that, what, what does that kind of language mean? Right? So like, um, we, we moved to set a floor. So like at my school, no kid could get a grade less than a 50. And the idea being like, if it's out of 50 and passing's out of 70, you could reasonably make up work and get to the 70 or get closer to the 70. It's not a perfect module. And there's a lot of different tenets with the grading for equity. But it's a conversation point because if I'm an old school veteran teacher who's, yes. you, you didn't do the work, you didn't turn it on time, and so you got the zero that you deserve to fail, right? That's, that's, that, that mindset isn't aligned with where we want to go, right? And we're serving black and brown children primarily. And so what does it mean to retain a kid in seventh grade? How does that impact their ability to graduate high school on time? Vice versa also, it does not mean that, you know, by setting floors and having deep conversation on our grading practices, that also doesn't mean that we're, we're, we're lowering the bar, we're just passing kids along. We just need to have a more deliberate conversation around what do these numerical values mean and make sure we're not assigning student value to the numerical value. And the tough conversation, the conversation that's really hard to have is those numerical values, as much as we spend time talking about it representing student achievement, the uncomfortable truth is it also represents the effectiveness of your teaching. And so if 70% of your kids are failing, guess what? It's not the same. It's not the kids, the problem. You're the problem. So yeah. let's have a conversation because the, the, you can't, 
in no other job can you can you have 70% of people not pass and everybody be like, oh, that's okay. Like, that's not okay. Um, that's an uncomfortable conversation to have if you've been teaching for 10, 15, 20 years and this concept of, you know what, I get paid no matter what. No, no, no. Actually, <laughs> if kids aren't passing your class, you, you technically, your, your job should be in question, my friend. You do your job, yeah have a conversation right what are you doing to to reteach the content right so like if you gave an assessment and the average was a 50 are you entering that into your gradebook or do you need to think about whether you need to scale it up do you need to give back the assessment do you need to provide kids the opportunity to fix mistakes do you need to reteach standards it's not just a i taught it now it's on you that and like let's also be truthful like our kids are not in post-doc programs. Like, this doesn't make sense. They're middle school. So, right. like, like, what is the conversation we're having? And, and some of it unearths some discomfort, right? Like, the, the, the obligation to take accountability for your teaching practices is a conversation that we don't have enough in education. Yeah.